This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay. All we right. are here with Miss Courtney Turner. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Great to be here. It's always great to talk to you. You're always yeah. such a joy to talk to. Uh, thank you. I love talking I, to you too. I don't, you make, you make all this bad news seem like tolerable. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, yeah, I really so, appreciate that. It is. I think it's important to talk about even the, the dark stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and it seems like that's all we talk about. Some of the, sometimes <laughs> I try to mix in something every once in a while where it's like let's not be so serious today let's just have a conversation and chill out for a minute mm -hmm. so i don't because, do that too often but <laughs> i think people i think um podcast when i was over the road i noticed that there was um i was i was taking in so much media and so much mm -hmm. information constantly because i didn't have anybody with me it was me and my dog right and it was 12 hour days and I'm just pumping information in my head all the time. And it made me miserable. It, it was like, I'm oh, not, really? an, I'm, I'm like a really even kill kind of chill person. Yeah. And totally. I started feeling anxiety and oh. it's like, if it can do that to me, imagine what all this media, just this constant cycle does to people. You know, that's really fascinating. I find it doesn't do that for me. I think, I think I'm very curious person and the not knowing makes me more anxious. So like a lot of people like to just read headlines and they just, just to have a sense of what's going on. But for me, knowing a little bit without diving into it, that actually makes me more anxious. So, mm. but when I can understand something and I, I know the roots of it, that it alleviates some of that anxiety for me. I think it also makes me feel somewhat empowered you know like knowledge is power but the other component of it is that i think knowing the dark when you start diving into the dark like it is spiritual warfare right it's a spiritual battle and mm. if there's that much dark then it makes me hopeful there must be that much light right and i think that so much of the light is just has been dimmed and it you know hasn't been turned on for you know lack of a better metaphor right mm. and I think that if we share the knowledge and we uncover some of the dark, then hopefully that can flip some of those light switches on. It only takes one candle to drown out the darkness, right? Right. It just says phrase, I, I say it all the time, but I always add my own tagline onto it. It's uh, from the book, None Dare Call It Conspiracy. And they say it was one of the last lines of the book. And it says that, you know, conspiracy can only survive in the dark. So I always add on to that, and therefore it's incumbent on the light to be shown on it to expose it. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think, um, at least from a man's point of view, it, especially my perspective, it's like, like, let's say I'm having a conversation with my wife, right? Mm -hmm. And she's telling me about a problem that she's dealing with. Right. My instinct is to fix it. Right. And right. so I see the problem, and then I realize there's no solution mm, yeah. like, that I can like put forward that in itself causes me stress. I, I can see that totally. Yeah. yeah. So it is really interesting. Mm. Uh, the trucker. So my fiance was trucking for a while and uh, we listened to so much and he said that he would go around, you know, to all the different stations and talk to people and, he said they're some of the most awake people because I guess they spend a lot of time listening to radio, podcasts, uh, audiobook. And he said it was really fascinating how much when you go through the country and it's kind of uh, encouraging to see that they are so awake. You know, it mm. shows that there are people who actually know what's going on and care. So, right, right. So that's yeah. the silver lining of that. But yeah. yeah, truckers get a truckers get a bad rap for being stupid. And there are plenty of stupid truckers out there. Don't get me wrong, but. There are a lot of very intelligent truckers. Yeah. Uh, one of my best friends, Gord McGill. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
he writes he writes on the trucking industry and okay. all the regulations. He started his own podcast um, called The Voice of Gord, where he talks to people that have been researching the trucking industry. Because if you look at <clears throat> if you look at the <clears throat> kind of panopticon system mm -hmm. and the surveillance system that is going around and being introduced to the public, right. truckers have been living under that already. Yeah. And so we kind of have like this insight through ELDs that of how you're going to be tracked and traced. Right. Right. And so he started doing, he started writing articles for Newsweek and, and uh, started his own podcast and he's oh, doing wow. well. Yeah. He's making, oh, that's awesome. He's oh, making a lot of extra out. money doing that. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of really smart truckers. Um, I've definitely met several of them. Obviously, I think my fiance is quite brilliant. But uh, yeah. And he, no, he really is. But oh, I believe it. Yeah. And uh, but I, I've been on a podcast for uh, he he's a trucker as well. He's a Canadian trucker. Super, super smart guy. Um, yeah, I've known you like I know a lot of really smart truckers. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's definitely kind of a misnomer. But yep. Yeah, but we're here to talk about 15 minute cities, yeah. not about truckers. Um, <laughs> 15 minute we'll cities, well, well to, definitely well. it's going to affect truckers, so yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so, definitely a good segue, but so, so I saw, um, uh, what was it about a month ago? I saw that Saudi Arabia had released mm -hmm. this video talking about what they were doing in the 15 minute city, um, mm. kind of outline and and w the way they advertised it and they were advertising it more like a tourist destination mm -hmm. that in which virtual reality digital reality and physical reality all intermingle yeah now i can kind of see the uh and they, they they plan on um rolling this out in 2050 they said so they're going to be building it and, and it'll be uh prepared like completely prepared by 2050 so i was looking at it i was like okay so all the plans I've heard for, for these types of things are like 2030. For some reason, Saudi Arabia is pushing it back. Maybe we have a little bit more time than we initially thought we had in how these things are going to be rolled out and affect our lives. Mm -hmm. And um, by advertising it as a tourist destination, it it almost seems like a beta test. Yeah. Well, that, that is their MO, the beta testing. So as far as the 2050, I think that they're... They're trying to implement as much as possible by 2030, but 2050 is when they're, that's like they're, you know, there was 20 agenda, 21, 30 slash 30. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like they, they have phases. And I think the next phase is this uh, agenda 2030 to agenda 2050. So it's the next 20 year, you know, the first one was a uh, nine year, but then a uh, 20 year kind of, they might do something in between. I mean, that that I just don't know. But we hear a lot about Agenda 2030 and then Agenda, we haven't heard, it's not called Agenda, but the, the whole 2050 plan. And one of the big plans in 2050 is the complete uh, dissolution of nation states. So they talk about like there will be remnants of power blocks, but there won't be actual nation states anymore. And I, I think this, uh, the 15 minute cities will be the insular structures but no longer, at least if they're gold, there won't be, you know, actual sovereign states anymore, which is quite scary. Um, but the tourist uh, destination, I think, is definitely a beta test. It's definitely a way, but it's, I don't think it's just a beta test. I think it's also, they like to lure people in under the guise of convenience, you know, trendiness, uh, fun. <laughs> you know, it, I, I always use the examples of social media and I use the example of Facebook versus LifeLog a lot. I just think it really exemplifies this so well because, you know, LifeLog got taken down 2000, in uh, February 4th, 2004, and then Facebook went up February 4th, 2004. And LifeLog was a DARPA project that collects all your data and had, you know, like this basically, you know, a, a running list of all of the data on each person. Right. And you know, we basically Google has like something like 80,000 pages, whether you use it or not on everyone. So it's not like this went away, but this was a, this was an official project 
uh, from, you know, our uh, intelligence uh, military complex <clears throat> agencies. And they had deemed it was a violation of Fourth Amendment. And so they took it down. But then I can't prove that Facebook replaced it. But it did go back. It went up February 4th, 2004. So the exact same day that they took down LifeLog. And it was tied with a lot of the same players. You know, the whole social network, Voss and Zuckerberg story it was a great story. But it's not quite what happened. And if anybody wants any uh, evidence, you know, or to research this further, they should look into the Leader Inc. Uh, lawsuit that is still ongoing, as far as I know. And that was between Leader Inc., uh, which is Michael McKibben, and uh, the government and Facebook. They're, they're suing him. Uh, they're suing Facebook, sorry, and they're suing the government. And uh, it was, it's tied in with InQtel. A lot of the, you know, InQtel is still very much affiliated with Facebook today. So mm. all this to say, what was the big difference between Facebook and LifeLog? The biggest difference was that LifeLog was a forced uh, top-down type of uh, mechanism to track people and uh, rec record you know, collect the data. And Facebook is an opt-in system. This will be so fun for everyone. You know, you get to yeah. share all your photos of your family and your kids and your pets and, you know, know where people went to eat dinner and, you know, when they, where they went on vacation and see all their beach pictures. And it's just so fun. And, but you opt into it. And that's the big difference, I think. And this is the Luciferian model too. I think when you look at it from a spiritual warfare perspective, the one side, they both sides want to be chosen. You know, I think that that's the whole Genesis story, right? God gave free will. So because he wants you to choose him. And mm -hmm. I think the same goes for whatever, you know, Lucifer or Satan, but it's the, the notion that it can't be forced upon you. You have to choose that. And then once you do, you're trapped into it. You know, so that's usually what happens. Once you choose, then, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the injections. Like once you chose that, you know, we, you can argue that the, the force was pretty strong. There was definitely a lot of coercion and uh, incentivization that was pretty strong. But people still chose to do it. Once you choose, you're, you're in that system, right? Now you have to show your papers. Now you have whatever uh, effects uh, were caused by it. So, you know, that's just one example, but it's still an opt-in system. And I think the same goes for these 15-minute uh, cities. They're going to make it enticing for people. It's super convenient. You know, you have everything at your fingertips within 15-minute radius, and uh, it's a destination spot. The first 15-minute city, actually, the beta test for it, I think, was Disney World. Mm. It was really like a 15-minute city layout. You know, everything is everything you could possibly want is right in that, you know, little epicenter. And I think that was really the beta test. It shows you how far back these plans go. You you brought up the idea of, of these things being Luciferian and mm -hmm. <clears throat> the thing that popped think, in yeah. the, the the thing that popped into my head was that that Cain was the inventor of the city. Mm. from the story of Cain and Abel. Right. And, and I've heard, I think it was Father Turbo Qualls talk about um, cities having the spirit of Cain that still resides within them. The resentment, mm. the bitterness, the the undervalue of human life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so when I, you know, when, when I talk to people about ESG, Mm -hmm. the, and the and just I I always call cities like a corral where they yeah. move the cattle into this corral and they just they just try to keep you there and people are like well what if I don't want to leave the cities I don't want to I don't want to be a part of all these things but I don't want to leave the cities and I'm like I'm like man I'm not going to judge you I'm not going to sit here and say you're a bad sure. person because you don't want to leave the cities right but you're you're addicted to the the passions that the city fulfills yes right and so that addiction is is holding you hostage yes and, and so that's what they're event that's what they're intending to do with these 15 minute cities is make everything so convenient yes seems so natural and so fun mm -hmm. that you are then enslaved to the passions that the city fulfills 
Yes. And I, I think that, that that's been their model. You know, we can go back to like the British East Indian Company back in the, uh, you know, what was that? The 1600s. And that was all predicated on creating a consumeristic model where people were addicted. Now, granted, the drugs back then were more like coffees, tea, although there was opiates, right? Uh, and then they created the insurance companies to be a protective mechanism for the drug cartel because that's essentially what it was. And I mm -hmm. think that that model is very much what they continue to replicate today. They create these addictions. And, you know, we see it with the smartphones. It's like people can't li live without them. And they created this, uh, you know, the planned obsolescence and uh, all these things that are centered around it because they've made you addicted to it. And I think that's exactly right with the, six, the 15 minute cities. They're, they're trapping you by uh, all of these supposed luxuries and conveniences that you need. But really, what are cities? I think cities, just not even 15 minute cities, but the cities themselves, I think, were designed one to propagate the lie of overpopulation because when you're living on top of each other, you have the illusion that we are overpopulated. But if you go over most of the world, you, you'll you see lots of farmland, lots of just unused land, mm -hmm. uh, and people who are very far spaced apart. Mm -hmm. And that you'll realize that this uh, notion of overpopulation is actually really not true. It is true in the cities, absolutely. People are overpopulated and congested. I think they're also designed to track, stack, and pack, right? So... Really, it's to create this, uh, you cram people in like sardines, and now you have limited resources, and limited resources are a mechanism for control and control grids, uh, because people become more desperate when you're under, you're under uh, limited resources and finite mm -hmm. resources, and uh, the... Uh, yeah, the, the packing them in like sardines, you know, gives them the illusion of being overpopulated. But then it's also really to create this surveillance state. And the 15-minute cities, I think, are the next uh, iteration of that. They're just the next step up of this tracking surveillance mechanism. And we're seeing all these, you know, the blue light cameras that are going up. Uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of people have seen them and are kind of curious, what is that? But those are full-on uh, tracking and surveillance devices. We don't know. There's a lot of speculation about how they interface with people, but we know at the very least are definitely are you know increased increasing the cameras and they that those blue lights have the technology in them to read uh, luciferase. So of course the theories have been that there's been some sort of we know there's luciferase in the injections. So. There's, of course, the theory that it's a way of tracking who has has taken it and who hasn't. Right. Um, you know, that that hasn't been 100% proven at this point, so I'm not saying that that's, that's fact. But there, there's certainly evidence to indicate that, and those facts are true. The fact that that can read luciferase and the fact that luciferase is in, in the injection. So those two things are true. And uh, well, there's also the there's also the point that so many people put their private information out so openly yes. on social media. Right. So they don't even they don't even need to really trace uh, whether or not you have this substance within your blood system. All they have to do is match your um, your your face identity to your social mm -hmm. media. And you've probably told everybody how you feel about this stuff. And yeah. so they already know. But now they have all that information and they can track you in real time. In, mm. You're in these uh, a small parameter. And the, the big component of all of this, too, is the geofencing. And we have now in the, uh, I, I believe it's the infrastructure bill, they uh, put that no cars built made after mm. 2026 uh, can be made without having this basically kill switch where mm. they can be shut off at any time and certainly that's a, a geofencing mechanism where if they track you and you go outside the confines of these 15 minute cities they can shut off your car so the, you're, you're trapped essentially they can shut off your car they can shut off your phone and yep. if they push out these cbdc's you know they can completely shut off your wallet and any spending power 
at least through that mechanism. Uh, so that's really another track and trace. Uh, I think they go, I think they would be able to do that anyway because of the, you know, the chip cards. Now they all have the, the chips in them, you know, that, that you yeah, I, I could see them being able to like shut that off if they really wanted to. Yeah. They, they could shut off your credit card. Um, well, I'm just talking about debit cards. See, so we we have voluntarily. I remember uh, what was it? Ten years ago, Glenn Beck was throwing a big fit because oh, or Obama wanted to introduce a cashless system like India has, mm-hmm. and he was like, "No, you can't go away from cash." Blah blah blah. This is terrible. Blah blah blah. Yeah. blah, blah. And then and then they introduced like this this chip card and the swipe. You know, like you, all you got to do is wave it in front of the machine right. and it automatically takes it out of your account. And it's yeah. like, yeah, everybody voluntarily went cashless. Yes. And that's what they do. They want you to opt in. They make right. it, super, you know, they advertise it that it's convenient. It's, you know, it's, it's cool. It's trendy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a fun. And that's how they get you enticed. They entice you. And then people volunteer. They don't force you. Uh, that's, that's, I think you know, misconception. People think that they're forced. They, they use coercion, you know, they use they're propaganda, they use coercion. Yes. Yeah. But, but look how, how easily that people just go along to get along. Right. Yeah. It's a very, like, we're a different breed of person that are this like de- dug in to mm-hmm. these topics so yeah. that we know how to put up our defenses against them. Most people don't spend their time researching this stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so they are always so surprised when people don't know these things, (laughs) but yeah, but, but most people are just going through their day-to-day life. And you know, like when I was driving over the road and I was kind of like away from society, like my, my entire world revolved around this information and other Mm -hmm. podcasters. That was all my communication. But when I came locally and mm-hmm. I started working locally and, and, and being in a store at times and dealing yeah. with customers and managers and cashiers and all these other people, I started yeah. realizing like, these people don't have a clue. They don't know. Their, their whole life revolves around, I go to work, right. I make my money, I take care of my family, I go to bed, I get up, I go, go to work. Right. On my days off, I mow the yard, I run errands, I work on my truck. I do this, I do, and it's like, it has nothing to do with the type of stuff that you and I talk about on a regular basis. Right. Well, I think that's why it's really important to share this with, you know, whoever, and plant seeds with people who may not be super versed. Uh, one of the things I'd like to uh, point people to is the the UK, because they're rolling out, and they've done, they've rolled them out in many places. Um, <clears throat> and, and for anybody who thinks that we are totally safe, like if you're in a red state, you are not safe. Uh, I, I live in Tennessee. There are many places in Tennessee that you would not expect that, ha- you know, you think of it as like a red state. There are many places here that have these 15 minute cities already. So it, it is really prop- cropping up everywhere. But in the UK, they're doing it under the guise of being a climate uh, lockdown. So mm-hmm. it's really under the guise that you're saving the planet. And of course, Klaus Schwab talked about that in his, uh, you know, in his uh, COVID-19 Great Reset book. So, yeah. um, you know, they've had these plans in the works for a long time and they they are advertising it as, the, you know, you're being a good human, you're saving the planet. And people who don't know that the, uh, you know, the climate, climate narrative is essentially a hoax and it was created by the Club of Rome in 1972 in the limits of growth in their 1992 document, uh, the Globe of Rome global reformation document they admitted that it was a complete lie and that it was designed to be propaganda that they needed to come up with a common enemy of man because if there was a common enemy then people would rally around it and then people would fight against it and they would grab onto this what is they knew was a lie and they decided the enemy of uh, humanity was man of course yeah. so that is the carbon they want to reduce it's you <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, so that's the, but that's how they're selling it to a lot of people that it's, you know, a way of saving the planet and saving the environment. And a lot of people are bought into that narrative. So, of course, they think they're being a good person by doing this. And they use the whole, uh, you know, virtuous and, uh, you know, the the moral kind of uh, ingratiation to get people on board. 
you uh, brought up that Tennessee is doing a lot of stuff. And this is what brought up this yeah. topic, actually, um, in my mind and why I wanted to get you on is because uh, 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 Steve Fox, who's a mutual friend of ours, and mm -hmm. he, he's Fox and Sons Coffee uh, is yeah. a sponsor of both of our shows. Awesome. He, uh, he noticed that the mayor of Cleveland was like like basically coming out and advocating for Cleveland being turned into a 15 minute city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and he was like, wait a second, what's going on here? Like, will you, will you do a show about this? Because I, I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. And, and so we we're kind of talking in, we're, we're kind of talking around the details mm -hmm. and, and I'll, can you, can you shine some light? Because the way I look at a 15 minute city um, is it's going to be like almost like the metaverse. It, it's going to mm -hmm. be, uh, it, it's, it's yep. going to be kind of like a fantasy. It's, yeah. it's almost, it, it's almost going to be a sci-fi movie in reality. And, and it's going to feel a lot like, like you brought up Disney world earlier. It's going to feel like that. It's going to feel like yeah. an amusement park in a lot of ways, because there's going to be so much stuff there that you grew up hearing about that was not reality until now. And, right. and you're going to be so enthralled in it that you're going to tie yourself to it. So can you yeah. get like break into detail some of the things that they're discussing doing? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's exactly like you're saying. They call it like an urban concept planning. And it's where everything is within your 15 minute radius. So they advertise it being a walkability. So, you know, you don't ever really have to leave the premise. You know, the part they don't really tell you about is that you might not be able to leave it. It might essentially become a prison. And uh, that, that's the part they really don't talk about. But that is very much a reality because it's happening in the UK right now. People are being they're not able to leave those confines. And I think COVID was a really uh, beta testing for that, right? We saw so many people who couldn't go within a certain distance from their home. Uh, you know, we didn't have that so much in the United States, but mm -hmm. certainly in Australia that was happening. Mm -hmm. And there were definitely other uh, UK, I believe that was happening. Uh, I think New Zealand. New Zealand, exactly. Yeah. A lot of the commonwealths of the UK, which I don't think are, it's a coincidence that that was happening in those areas, but yeah, Canada. Yep. Canada. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that, you know, and that uses that geofencing technology. So that's the part they really don't talk too much about. They do, they talk more about the positives of how you're going to be, like you said, a fantasy land. Everything is you know, within your walking distance and you'll have all the shops and all the restaurants and, you know, all the the things that you would want are going to be right there and you never have to leave. But the problem is that what if you want to leave? What if you want to go see somebody who is outside of this 15 minute radius? And how are people going to connect outside of these 15 minute radiuses? So, right, it's really, it's kind of like a, it's a way of, I, I, I think it's a way of kind of leading you into the metaverse because you're now more restricted in your mobility, which is something they talk a lot about in the Agenda 2030 plan. They talk mm. about the no crossing zones and that's uh, so the people will be restricted of having a freedom of mobility, which is in, embedded in our constitution. I mean, that is a, a very, very like explicit laid out that we have freedom of movement and that we can travel across the country that is laid out in the constitution. So this is a blatant violation of the constitution and a complete, uh, you know, sublation of the constitution essentially. Uh, but that well, is they, they found, they found with ESG and this was, this was part of the, like the beta test of ESG and what they were trying to put forward. Was right. they were trying to subvert the constitution. They were they were trying to find a, a, a loophole, a walk, a go around. If you can convince the corporations to uh, be the militant arm and and of, of your of your laws or of your regulations, mm -hmm. then it's not a government regulation. It is then the uh, it then becomes a cultural regulation, right? Right. And so this is why you see. Um, and somebody you need to get on your show that you'd really enjoy talking to is John Robb. Okay. From uh, yeah, and we'll talk about this off air. Um, sure, that'd be great. 
Um, but he talks about the the cluster, that hive mind that you see on social media and how how like when somebody goes against the uh, transgenderism or or abortion or whatever cultural norms they are trying to force inside the Overton window that has completely shifted the paradigm of all of our lives and you resist that how they cluster and hive and, and attack you like white blood cells on a virus. Right. right. And so they, they have figured out how to do that utilizing thought leaders, corporations, right. financial, financial institutions to keep you within the parameters of the geofencing model, yeah. which they first started experimenting with in corporations through Microsoft it, it, de delivering this into corporations. So what the corporations would then have you do is download an app to your mm -hmm. phone in which you keep track of the hours you work, the jobs you're doing, whatever. But what yeah. that app's really doing is feeding on the information that's all over yeah. your phone in the places that you're traveling, the purchases that you're making. And it's reading all the other apps that are on your phone, whether it's a bank app or your social media app right. or your email app or whatever. And it's oh, taking yeah. that information, feeding it then to your employers and your employer can then make a decision whether or not you're up for a promotion whether you need to be demoted, whether you need to be fired, whether you can be even be hired yeah. for the, for the job. And so they are taking that model from the corporations and they're in, instituting it into the city structure. Right. And this is where I had talked about a while back that they're, they're looking at creating the city state into which the entire entity of the state then is, is, infused around the city that mm -hmm. controls the supply chain and controls um, the yep. trade and, and finance and that that those cities will then be the center hub for all political um, <coughs> um, discourse throughout the country that the country will then be, you know, um, well, it, also it, resources, it, right? All the resources yeah, are going to be confined right. to that locale. So you won't yeah. be able to, you know, if they decide they want to cut off your food supply and they can just tell you, oh, we couldn't get it into the city in time, you know. Right. Uh, they we're, we're make, having... But they want to make like like Montana and North Dakota mm -hmm. ad adhere to the laws of California and New York because right. California and New York are the hubs in which they dispute disperse food and resources mm -hmm, right. so they're utilizing the resources as a tool to make you bow to your overlords yeah i mean ultimately they want to make that uh, a worldwide so it's a global governance right we're going to use as locus i i did want to bring up because i have a friend who has family in the uk and he was telling me that they were uh they were calling it like uh, a traffic control system that's 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 kind of how they're selling it, but like like Paris did, right? Didn't yeah, Paris, it Paris that you can only drive on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays if yeah. your license plate number ended in an odd number, and if it ended in an even number, you had Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Kind and of then, like what Carter did. Remember with the gas lines, mm, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the very yeah, but he said that people are not buying it. They know that this is a a, a control grid. That this is has nothing to do with traffic, and uh, it really is. They're call, and then the other thing they call it is the lock the climate lockdown. Um, but they it's really all about control and restriction of mobility, restriction of movement. So I wonder yeah. I, w I wonder how that's going to um, things like that will affect. Um, the, the like tourists going going to England. I know Beatrix is is flying over there to see her mom and go to a concert. Mm. In okay. May. So I'm just, oh, wow. I'm, I'm wondering if uh, she's going to notice anything different about moving around in the city. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Uh, I think this was uh, specifically Oxfordshire. Um. Oh, okay. So it was just one general region. Yeah, I, I that doesn't mean that it's not happening in others. I'm just not, I'm not fully aware, but I know that that's specifically uh, what this was referencing. But I do believe London is doing similar things. 
Wouldn't so, yeah, no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I just, I would have to look further into what's going on in London to know for sure. She actually, whenever she moved here um, from South Africa, she lived in London for a couple of years. And so she, when she moved to the U.S. from South Africa, she thought it was strange that in Houston, we didn't have CCTV everywhere at the time. Really? Yeah. She was like, that's weird. Why, why don't they have this? They have it all over London. It's a good thing. It cuts down on crime, blah, 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 blah. And slowly I chipped away at that. I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let, let me inform you. Yeah. Um, no, I think that the, the one good thing, though, is that I think people are seeing through it. A lot of people are leaving. They're fleeing. Mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to get out in time. So right. because I think they, they know that the goals are to keep them locked in. And so there are a lot of people are leaving their places, whether they're selling them or abandoning them. And uh, I, I think that that's well, that's really unfortunate and devastating for the people there. I think it's also a sign that people are not buying the narrative and that they recognize that this is a, a major power grab and mm -hmm. that the consequences of, of what it could mean down the road are really, really really bad <laughs> that, that's one of the things i've brought up several times and i always use trump as the example but whenever you're looking at uh the uk you can use brexit as the example sure. like the the election of trump and the the authorization of brexit that mm -hmm. you know the people voting to leave the european union right it really put it really put the world economic forum in a strange position to where mm -hmm. they had no choice but to reveal their hand they yeah. had to show their hand at this time sure. and, sure. and because they had to, they had to increase and accelerate in, in, uh, and take, take advantage of the small window of opportunity that they had left available to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the only reason that so many people know about all this stuff. Oh yeah. I think that, you know, I, I think in some ways the KUFID kind of backfired on them because mm. it woke so many people up. Yeah. Just because it, it really did show their hand and there was just so much hypocrisy. I don't really think it was hypocrisy. I think that was just their way of showing that they're in power and they're in charge. Uh, and you have to do what they say, no matter whether it makes sense or not, even if they flip flop all over the place. <laughs> but, you know, that was their way of letting yeah. you know, yeah, you know, we call the shots. It doesn't matter if we said what we said yesterday, we contradict today. You follow what we say regardless. Yeah. But I think that, for from you know a uh, just the average populist perspective, I think for them it was like, well, what's with all these contradictions? Nothing makes any sense, and it started the chain of people starting to dive into some of the research and look at what's really going on. So that was a silver lining, and I don't think they anticipated that. I think they thought that their they had refined their trauma-based mind control tactics so well. And there was, you know, we know what they call I mean, yeah, you psychosis. Saw, I mean, I still and, see people oh, wearing masks sometimes. So oh, totally. Like, <laughs> I mean, they, they were successful. They were. But I don't think they counted on so many people uh, resisting and so many people not falling under their spell. Mm. I think that's what they underestimated. I think they really thought that they had, had a grip on this and they were just going to be able to, you know, uh, there's just an analogy, but like, you know, wave their wand and cast their spells and people were just going to fall in line. And, you know, as you just said, there were, there were a lot of people who did, but I think there were a lot of people who didn't. And it was, the number was a lot greater than what they expected. And I think that's kind of what's happening with these 15 minute cities. I do think that there are enough people, uh, or maybe not enough, but I think there is a large group of people who are saying that this is not, this is not as sexy as it sounds, you know, to, yeah, it's great to be able to live in a community where you can walk around. And, and that's the appeal of a city in general, right? Like, why do mm -hmm. people like New York City? Because they can roll out of bed and, you know, go get their coffee downstairs and go get their whatever other vices they want is right at their fingertips. They don't have to go very far. Uh, and they can get the, I think people like also the feeling of having community without really being community. We've been, and this is part of the programming and conditioning, is that people don't have real communities anymore. They become right. very isolated. So I think people in some sense, this is not all people, but I think the conditioning is such that a lot of people are actually afraid of intimacy. And so they don't want to be truly 
engaged in a real community, that would force them to be vulnerable. That would force them to take responsibility, uh, both mm. personally and for others. And so they don't really want that, but they're still human beings. and They still crave uh, emotional connection and human interaction and at least the you know, per perception of intimacy or, um, you know, they want to find it on some level and some capacity. And cities give them the illusion of that because you're surrounded by people. You're forced to interact with people on a daily basis. But how how close are you to those people? How how much can you rely on those people? Mm. In most cases, not very much. I mean, I lived in New York City for a long time and I grew up right outside New York City. I lived in California, right in Santa Monica, Los Angeles. And, you know, most of the time people don't know their neighbors. Uh, they barely say hello to each other. Even just walking down the street, you get strange looks if you smile or say hello, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, it was one of the big epiphanies I had when I moved to the South that I felt like I was such a rude person because I've been so conditioned not to look at people in the eye and mm. smile at them as you pass because people look at you like you're crazy if you <laughs> did that in the city. And people in the South, it's very much the opposite. Everybody says, hello, good morning, good afternoon, how right. are you? And, yeah. and it's not like, you know, you have to have a long conversation, but there's this, and it feels very genuine. You know, I mean, I can't yeah. speak for every person I pass, but for the most part, it doesn't feel like, it feels like it's just a genuine kind of like, hi, I'm greeting you. Yep. And I felt like, wow, I'm such a rude person. This is so nice that people want to say hello and they yep. want to smile as you pass. But I think that we've been disconnected from that and the the purpose that that's part of the purpose of cities. And now they're intensifying that with these 15 minute cities where everybody's going to be is going to be a hustle bustle and go, go, go. Everything's at your fingertips, but there's no real yep. connection. There's no real a sense of community responsibility and you're trapped. I think ultimately that's the plan and you're yeah. trapped. So you don't know what's going on outside of that bubble. Like you were talking about with the social media uh, silos. And I think that's really what they're trying to drive towards this metaverse, because I think they're going to increase like, like Disneyland, Disneyland has so much metaverse components, uh, but you're trapped in your, I mean, you're not trapped, but you're in this, uh, you know, very insular environment. And I think that the big difference is the geofencing will trap people. Yeah, I, I've, I've, with something popped in my head when you're talking about that distrust of of your neighbors and distrust mm -hmm. of the people. Um, it it remind it made me think of um, a playground when you have like like mm -hmm. a bunch of like children playing on a playground. Right. They require parental supervision because they don't know how to participate in, mm -hmm. in, in voluntary activities in an unselfish manner and play games with rules, right. Mm -hmm. That they all agree on. And the parent is there to teach them the rules. And mm -hmm. if you grow up in a, in, in an environment to where you can never trust that the person next to you, is playing by the same rules and willing to participate under the same parameters that you are willing to participate under, right. then you turn to government to be that parental figure and to make sure that all the parameters are laid out in nice congruency. And right. so the cities in some ways make people feel more secure because they are being sheltered by that parental guidance. Mm -hmm. They have that safety net that's offered. The to government them. is mommy and daddy. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you live like in the situation I live in, right. I just mm -hmm. had to go spend $8,000 today on a mower. I just okay. got informed that my, my, uh, an order of hatchlings got canceled. And so I have to go find new chicks and I can't depend on a parent to do this. I'm right. responsible for ensuring that the property I live on is taken care of. I am responsible for making sure that I am producing the eggs that I need to produce and have the chickens that I need to have in order to move forward in the, in my plans going into the future. And I don't have that safety net. And right. I took upon that responsibility upon myself and I got rid of that parental figure in my life. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point because it it also shows, and this is my experience actually. I mean, again, I don't want to make a blanket statement. There's exceptions to all the rules, but I do notice that people who have lived in cities their whole life, and even even if they haven't, if they've been there for a very long time, there is kind of a a, a stunting that happens, and I think really there, what you're explaining is a, a moral stunting. And I think this is a really fascinating, I, I mean, I'm really, I've never thought about this before, so I'm really just thinking out loud, mm. but I know that, you know, a lot of psychologists have uh, determined that you're, uh, you don't really have a strong moral intelligence until the age of seven, you know, there, that's kind of when it's fully formed. Mm. So prior to that, a lot of it comes from your, your teaching, your learning, you're learning mm. to develop your understanding of right from wrong. Yeah, and you're, you're being shaped. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, you have no sense when you're four of what's right and wrong. Obviously, you have some, but it's not fully developed, you know, from most of what the studies show until around the age of seven. And there are different stages. I think Dr. Jonathan Haidt had done a really good job of outlining, uh, you know, and he tested children at younger ages. Uh, their levels of what he called moral intelligence and you know there was variance even at younger ages but it does seem like it's kind of formed at seven but it's interesting to think about people living in cities having a stunted sense because they've had this false illusion of not having to take on that responsibility the moral responsibility Mm -hmm. what you're describing when you live in a more rural area even just the interpersonal dynamics because for survival reasons we want to have good relations with our neighbors, even if they're very far away from us, because we may need to depend on them. We may need to be able to uh, trade goods, services, or just have good relations so that they don't uh, do harm to us, what, whatever that may mean, uh, but harm to us, our environment, the children, loved ones. And whereas in cities, you because you have that illusion of being protected by you know, the government and the artificial parameters, you know, you, the concrete jungle in which you live, you, they don't have necessarily, they haven't developed those, those skills and they haven't developed that yeah. adjudication and, and the interpersonal uh, from both the biological as well as a socio-psychological uh, stance. So you, so I'm thinking about this geofencing in kind of like the, the the way I, I would think about the Berlin Wall. Yeah, I that's kind so, of so they, at least so a they, technological uh implementation, but yeah. Right. I think it's a digital prison, but yeah. Right. It's like we're going to build these fences to mm-hmm. keep out the invaders, right. to keep out the bad, those that would pollute and destroy our beautiful utopia. Mm-hmm. And then, then in, in the process, they change the dialogue and the narrative and saying, well, we keeping you in here for your own good because Always. the people out there are going You're to hurt safety. you. Right. Exactly. And yeah. so it's just, it's just that, that continuation of that paternal like mode of government. Yeah. And I mean, we definitely see it in China. China, we know, is a technocratic model for what they want to roll out throughout the world. That's that's kind of their uh, exemplar. And mm. in China, it's pretty extreme. You know, they have these uh, facial recognition technology. A number pops up. They use the social credit. And I think we're, you know, we're not impervious to these kind of measures and sanctions being implemented here. Uh, we, you know, certainly if they roll out the CBDCs, then that's going to be pretty easy for them to do and if people opt into having chips implanted and they actually really don't even need to be implanted you know they have other technology and means of being able to do this type of uh, tracking and tracing and they also take I mean we do see it in the other countries you have physical uh, restrictions where there's a you know police type force that will come and security that will literally stop you and put you in, I mean, we saw that in Australia during the last few years where, and then they got sent off to, to camps. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is kind of the plan. Like you want to step out of these cities and, and then we'll, we'll put you off into these camps to, to teach people that this is what you don't do. 
So. Yeah, it, it's um, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the, the way I want to say it. it it's mm-hmm. there's this there's this kind of a desire for for security. Okay, so I remember um, a story I'd heard that came mm-hmm. out of the Soviet Union. Okay. And um, the guy said, um, America and their capitalist system always complain, uh, always brags about how free they are. Right. But when you go visit them, you see homeless people sleeping on the street. Mm-hmm. In, in communist Russia, we have no such freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and so he's basically painting the freedom aspect of being of of there being a homeless portion of society as being a negative in that in communism since the housing is always provided for you you don't have the freedom to be homeless you can you're gonna always have a place to stay right right and so i kind of look at that as as the way that they're viewing these cities like it's Mm -hmm. like yeah like out like the other day i got home from work and I'm going to move my baby ducks to another coop and I'm going to put my baby chicks in the baby coop. And uh-huh. so I get there and I open up the baby coop and there's a six foot rat snake in there that has eaten two of my ducks. Uh-huh. Right. So, so oh, okay. in, in a, in a virtual city in a digital 15 minute city, you don't have the freedom to have to fight nature in order to survive. Right. Um, which is, it's it's a false illusion though, right? Because right. you're not free. You're you're completely trapped. I, I wanted to also bring up that uh Trump is calling for these freedom cities. Have you heard this? No. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, because I think he's trying to appeal. It's like a as a trolling concept, it's pretty awesome. But in practicality, I think it's a little bit concerning because I think that it's essentially the same thing under a different branding, under a different name. Like the Patriot Act. They wouldn't, no, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, but some of the things that I think people should be aware of is that they're using, that the premise behind this is that it would be land that is owned by the government that's a little bit interesting because you will own nothing by the government. Why? What? You will own nothing and you will be happy. Yeah. So it's owned by the government. Why? Why did the government own it? Why doesn't it become like eminent domain or why don't they give it back to the people they probably took it from or, uh, but yeah, the government shouldn't be owning it. That's first of all. But second of all, if the government owns it, how is it going to be free? since the government are the people who are in, imposing the tyrannical we, measures. We, we, are the, we are the government. That, that, that was the idea. Right, <laughs> right. You yeah. don't know how many people I've had say that to me in, in, in the last couple of years. And I'm like, how can you look at what's going on around you and still say that? Like, right. okay, if yeah, you said that, that in 2019, I'll give you a pass. But if you're saying that post 2020, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, w- it is supposed to be an experiment of self-governance. I I would argue that we've somewhat failed because we've abdicated the responsibility of self-governing. And I think that really, to be fair, that a lot of the the, the way that it's designed really doesn't lend itself to self-governance anyway. Right. You know, sure. it's a. Uh, I, I think there is a. We could argue. I mean, it's a whole another conversation. But I mean, we could argue that the way it was set up at the time, when there was a much smaller country and people were much more regionalized and they didn't have the means to uh, interact in such a wide scale capacity. There was self segregation and. Yeah, yeah. I. I even then, I think it was still problematic. I, I don't think it was 100% perfect, and I don't. I still think it lent itself to uh, being ruled by a few as opposed to a true self-governance. But well, I think- when they brought in the Constitution, their argument was because the Articles of Confederation didn't give them enough power. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I, w- I was much more in favor of the anti-federalists, but, you know. Yeah. Again, that's a very different conversation. <laughs> but I think that even, even so, one of the bigger problems is that individuals don't engage. And you alluded to this when you were talking about, you know, the difference between somebody being in a, a more rural area versus in the city. People don't engage in self-governance. And I don't mean, you know, like the the way we think of it in terms of the uh, civics. I actually mean just taking personal responsibility for your life, your family, your property. People really don't engage in much self-governance uh, over their own person. So yeah. they, that, that, I think, is where a lot needs to start. <laughs> I think um, we're, we're coming close to an hour, and I, I don't yeah. want to keep you too, too long, so I, I want to yeah. start wrapping up. But I, I think you've, you've made the point a couple of times that, that people are waking up. and. Yeah. And so that's a white pill that people can take away from this. Totally. Um, and and what if we learned anything, no matter what you think about Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. and and his person, his personality, his personhood as an individual, it, what if we learned anything through his popularity is that right. there is a great hunger amongst young men, especially yes, for responsibility. Totally. And and as a man, I, I can speak on this a little bit because I understand it, right? Right. The way our, our psychology works, the way our mentality works, mm-hmm. it's not the act of, of doing right. that is necessarily fulfilling. Right. It's the act of completing. Right. Right. So when you can, let's say you, like I built a chicken coop, which Mm -hmm. I've built several. So let's say I build a chicken coop or I build me a greenhouse, right? Mm -hmm. It is, I enjoy, I do enjoy the process of building it. I I don't, I like woodworking. I I think it's fun. I'm not exceptional at it, but I am good enough to where I can build a structure that will, that houses my chickens or I can plant food in and it does its job. Right. But what is what's the most satisfying is after that's done and seeing that structure stand there and knowing that I did that and I took the responsibility to do this and I didn't contract it out to somebody else and depend on somebody else to do it. You were self-sufficient. Right. And I can and my wife can give me a pat on the back and say, man, you did something I couldn't have done without you. You know, exactly. and, and men are looking for that fulfillment of completing projects. Yeah. Right. That the the job well done is only it, it's not you're you're not rewarded for it until after it's done. And you can look back and say, that's why I did all that hard work. Yeah. Right. And and so it, it would be it's and it's the same in anything by by taking these little actions and and teaching yourself a small amount of delayed gratification on a small scale, then you build yourself into an asset that is able to suffer for a long-term goal, which, which creates your entrepreneurs and, you know, podcasts. I mean, like we didn't start podcasts and two days later we had like 5,000 views, right? You start a podcast and 10 people watch it and you're like, okay, 10 people heard me. And then the <laughs> next time it's 40 people and you're like, oh, wow, I'm growing exponentially, you know, and <laughs> that's the way these things work. Totally. So there's this, there's this learning that gratification and wanting that responsibility on yourself mm-hmm. is right. a very masculine trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's very true. Um, and, and that is a really interesting point about Jordan Peterson. I think that that's, that's very true. I, I think there's, you know, they could have a whole conversation about Jordan Peterson. Yeah, there, there's plenty of negatives yeah. about Jordan yeah. Peterson. But if you learn one thing you saw with the audience growing. And no, the it was the kids really, were reacting. Really spoke, it was like it spoke volumes that, right. you know, young men in particular are really hungering for uh, someone to lead them and for them to take personal responsibility. Right. They needed to hear that message and they needed to know that that's what they're called to do. Um, yeah. And they're really what you could see that it was very palpable. And I think that's just innately biologically wired uh, into men for sure. Right. You yeah. know, and I think there is a, a, a similar counterpart for women. You know, they they need to know that they're um, 
they take responsibility so that they can be the nurturers, right? Yes. Uh, if they don't learn to take a personal responsibility, they can't care for another being. So that's a, you know, it's, it's di nuanced differences and the, the biological differences are certainly there. But I, I think that that's absolutely hardwired into humanity. And it's something that has been stripped from humanity and much to uh, our demise for sure. There's this, um, speaking on women, like just to give like, like kudos there's this mm -hmm. whole like um trad wife kind of thing trending oh right yeah now, you know and i you know i i am exceptionally blessed with my with my wife my wife is amazing um she works from home mm -hmm. and she uh and she handles six seven clients from home wow. <clears throat> and then at the end of the day she spends probably three to four hours cooking Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and she's like old school. Like I bought her this really nice mortar and pestle. She crushing her own spices and uh, like, you know, like she's just old school in that way. And I, yeah. I mean, I eat better than anybody else I know. There, uh, and it's rare, like on the rare occasion that she tells me, I don't feel like cooking tonight. Then like last night, she didn't feel like cooking. Fine. I'm, I'm Cajun. I can whip something up and it'll be <laughs> spicy and good. So like what I did last night. I, I took a pot, I boiled uh, some shrimp with potatoes and corn and Vidalia onions, and we had boiled shrimp. You know, I was like, awesome. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. I can't believe neither of us are 300 pounds at this point. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. Like, well, you're eating <laughs> real food, eat. it sounds like. We do so eat. Yeah, we do. a huge part of it. That really is. There is a, the, um, it's a, it's a new term. It's called contamination obesity. And it really has to do with a lot of people don't know this, but uh, toxins are trapped in fat cells and it's a protection mechanism so that it doesn't leach into the bloodstream. And so if you have a very high toxin, toxic burden, it can be really difficult to shed excess fat. And it's not necessarily a, uh, you know, energy balance issue. It could really be a protective mechanism to shield the the bloodstream and the organs from the this toxic overload. And unfortunately, our society and our food industry, certainly the processed packaged food industry, there are lots of toxins and contamination. So that is a huge part of the problem. Uh, you know, there was you know where I want to hear this conversation mm -hmm. with Kyle Matovic on In Liberty and Health. That's All right, I had to talk to you with this. Kyle, yeah. if you're listening, call Courtney, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I talked to yeah, Kyle's awesome. And we should have a conversation about this, actually. I yeah. think that would be a, a that would be perfect for his podcast. He, would he love does it. a lot yeah. of we'll, stuff on that. Yeah, totally. So I'll I'll reach out to him on that. But yeah, that's just yes. a, a side note. But um, what was I gonna say though? Oh, I was gonna say I'm this weekend, Sunday, uh 4 45 central time, we're going to be live streaming the right voices. And it'll be uh, Rachel Wilson, uh, Jamie Hanshaw, uh, Aaron, uh, uh, Aaron Joe Harris, and myself. And uh, we're going to be doing a show on feminism. So I think that'll be pretty interesting for people. So tune in. Uh, I've really become a fan of Rachel, man. I'm interviewing her next week. I'm really excited. To have oh, awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. She's going to come stay with us this weekend. So oh, nice. Shoot the show on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's, I really, I've really, I really enjoy listening to her. Yeah, no, she's so. super sharp and she does really thorough research and yeah, she's just awesome. So Yeah, I got to finish her book before next Friday. So. Ah, yes, you should. It's, so. it's awesome. She's it is good. It great. is good. I've, I've read like two chapters of it. I, I just kind of, it's been kind of on the side, like right. burner. Cause I'm like, I got to finish this. I got to finish this. <laughs> I got is like, there's so much other stuff going on, but yeah. I get it. So. Plug away, Miss Courtney. Plug away. Uh, well, I'm the Courtney Turner podcast. It's spelled like Courtney. Uh, so that's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And that is where you can find most of my things, all the different social media platforms, all the different po podcast platforms that I'm on. I have been taken down from YouTube, but I did start a new one at uh, TCTP Truth Sleuth. Uh, I didn't want to put my name in, so I just put the the initials of the podcast uh, in there. And I, not every episode is up there, but I am now with the presence on YouTube. But I'm on most of the others. So Rockfin, Rumble, 
Odyssey BitChute, and then 20 audio platforms. And I have started a new Twitter since I have not gotten my old Twitter handle back yet. But I am at Kinetic Courts on Twitter, Kinetic Courts on Instagram, very active on both of those. And I'm on Telegram, uh, the Courtney Turner podcast channel. So I'm very active there as well. And yeah. And I'm going to be doing an event June 3rd and 4th. So definitely look that up. It's Rebels for Cause. And that stands for, cause stands for creative artists uniting for the sovereignty of everyone. So we are kind of doing an artist for liberty type of event. And it's really centered around, we want to be the counterculture, but not, you know, the artificially injected counterculture. Uh, really genuine, uh, organic. We have several speakers, musicians. We're looking for some comedians. I'll be doing aerial acrobatics. And it's just to inject a... Uh, the messaging of freedom, hope, truth-seeking, and uh, owning free will into the culture. So, the so if you're in the national area, go look that up. Yeah. The aerial acrobatics. When I found you online, I, I went uh, when I found you on Twitter. I went to your to your Twitter page and I saw that picture and I was like, "That's not her." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, it is." And then I heard you on with with Mark Claire, my buddy Mark. And you were talking about it, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that makes me so nervous for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be scary, but it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not one of those performers who performs without a crash mat under me. I don't care if that's unprofessional. I think it's that should just be standard. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Miss Courtney. I always enjoy talking to you. And Likewise. Uh, we are going to do many more of these. Yes, please. Yes. So I'm ending the recording. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.